Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Uh, Today is Tuesday, November 12th. Um, There's really no fun way to start this podcast. I mean, we try to keep everything pretty lighthearted here and just kind of have fun because as fans... Uh, you know, we're, we're just like you guys that are listening. We're just here to, here to have fun and and enjoy watching our teams, but, uh, it's impossible to avoid the tragedy that happened and hit the Michigan state family and really alumni current players. If you're associated at all and follow the sports teams or the university in any way, um, you know, you are connected to, to what took place this past weekend. And, uh, of course we're talking about two members of the Michigan state Spartan family, in uh, former football player Charles Rogers, as well as current point guard Cassius Winston's brother, Zach, uh, both tragically passing away at ages far, far too young. Um, I, we felt like it was important to start this podcast by addressing and commemorating both these young men. Um, and I think it's important to, to start with you know Cassius's younger brother, Zach, because even though he wasn't a Spartan, wasn't uh, you know a Michigan State player, I think based on the outpouring that you saw from former players, current players, staff, I mean, anybody that knew this guy, he was uh, beloved and will be, will be dearly missed. Yeah. That's why I, that's why I love Michigan state so much is to, you know, Zachary was obviously going through a really hard thing and to see a community rally around Cassius and the Winston family um, just kind of reminded me why why I appreciate the community that we have. Um, it's really a tragic situation, and um, all you can do is, uh, you know, think and hope and pray that that if anyone else is going through something like that, um, that they they can get or ask or reach out for the help they need. And I know that's really hard. <clears throat> for a lot of people, it's it's so difficult. Um, for those who don't know, it, it is becoming clear, I believe, that Zachary may have taken his own life, um, something he had struggled with for a long time. I guess, you know, the only thing we can we can tell you is if you're listening to this is if you're struggling, uh, I know it's so hard, but reach out and ask to be heard and help. I'll even extend Austin and I are here. Um, we may not be professionals, but we can point you in the right direction. One area is uh, the National Suicide Lifeline. Another is at Crisis Text Line online. If texting's your thing, it doesn't have to be like this. And 
uh, our takeaway is that we're just, we feel really blessed to have a community that um, is able to rally around and offer any maybe small, tiny semblance of support to the Winston fam- family and uh, just just an awful situation. Yeah, and, and just to, to quickly add to that, you know, if you're out there and you think you're the only person that's experiencing what you're experiencing, you know, unfortunately, but you're not, you're not alone. There's help. There are resources. People want to help. Right. Everybody wants to help. And, you know, everyone has lost people. You know, some people in my family have passed away too early and it's, it's something that is, is so difficult to deal with. So even if, you know, you're being affected by this happening to a loved one or something like that, there are people out there that have, you know, been through what you're going through and are here and want to help. And even if it's just somebody to listen to, like John said, you know, as members of the Spartan family or not Spartan yeah, family, yeah, and that's we're here to it. help. It, it's the Spartan family is extended. And the, 100%. and the last piece about it, um, you know, is, is you can, you may be feeling okay. So maybe, um, the job is to just to reach out to the, give a shout out to every one in your crew every once in a while and just say, I'm thinking about you. Cause yeah. sometimes it's really hard to reach, raise your hand and say, I need help. Yeah. And those words, I'm thinking about you. I miss you. I love you. Go a really long way. So they do. And, um, so obviously nothing but, uh, the best to Cash's family. And, and, you know, if you, if you know them, if they're from, if, you, if you're from the area, you know, them. even if you don't, uh, reach out and try to help. And then, you know, unfortunately, uh, that was not the only member of the Spartan family to pass away this weekend. Uh, Former number two overall NFL draft picks, but that certainly did not define who he was as a person. I don't mean to lead and insinuate that, but um, you know, former MSU great Charles Rogers, wide receiver, uh, passed away today at the age of 38. Um, you know, Charles had really there were some great stories written about him recently, which which made this announcement this morning all the more difficult to see, but. Um, Charles had undergone his fair share of, uh, issues from substance abuse to, to other things. And, um, you know, uh, was unfortunately, you know, passed away again today at the age of 38. I, this one, I think just because of the era, aside from just the simple loss of human life, mm-hmm. because of the era that he played in, this one hit both of these events, obviously, but Charles Rogers passing away hit so close to home. Like for, for me as a 31 year old, somebody who, you know, grew up as a diehard Michigan state fan as a kid from day one in an area that that didn't really happen. You know, I grew up in, as we'll get to later when we talk about Michigan in the heart of Wolverine country into, you know, Charles Rogers was the great hope. I mean, he came to Michigan state when I think I was 11 or 10 years old and put on some absolute shows. I mean, he gave, he gave, Michigan State fan something to cling to. I mean, he was tied for the highest drafted Michigan State player in in history. I mean, he has some of the most iconic plays as a Michigan State player, especially his catch against Notre Dame. I, I mean, mean, this this guy's a superstar in every sense of the word. I mean, transcendent. Yeah. I mean, truly can't miss TV wide receiver, one of which that we had there are only a few in in sport, not just Michigan State. Just in the college football sport, when there's a person at a position that is just like, tune in to watch this. This guy. That team might not be great. A couple others I can think of, like Sir from Nebraska, tune in to watch this D-tackle. You know, just 
or or I'm trying to think of another. Um, I mean, Christian McCaffrey back in the day, I feel like as I, a running back, yeah, or like, or Adrian Peterson, yep. Reggie Bush. You just tune in to watch that guy. Charles Rogers Rogers was that guy, and he was that guy in high school, obviously. Yeah, but when he was at high school in high school, I mean, not everyone can can throw out their favorite stories. And please, if you're unfamiliar, we will not do it justice. Go to YouTube. It's incredible highlights. This guy was doing things that, you know, make your head spin. High school state championship game. Their Saginaw High's play was quite literally throw it up. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's okay. But that's not a knock. Because yeah. they would triple team him. They would put they would in the state championship, yeah. bump at the line, safety help spy, and then a third come over on plays. Right. And they would just throw five hundred hail like Hail Marys. No problem. And it worked. And he set, I believe he set the uh, state championship record for receiving yards until Drake Harris broke it. I, I mean, if you look at his statistics from when he was in, in, you know, at Michigan State alone, I mean, they are quite literally, uh, honestly, kind of hard to imagine nowadays, especially given the offense we're looking at. In two years, he didn't even play as a freshman. Wow. 135 catches. 2,821 yards and 27 touchdowns. That's just... That's banana land. Unbelievable numbers. Like, I can't even really quantify... I I mean, MSU's had some great... No, I can quantify it. Because I'm the weird guy who keeps stats on receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. 27 touchdowns is the most in MSU history. Yeah. I I, I believe 1470 is the single-season yardage record, too. This guy... I mean, this guy... Consider B.J. Cunningham, Kurt Gibson... Nowhere close to Charles Rogers and touchdowns. Well, I mean, it, think about the senior M- receivers MSU's had previously, and this isn't him as a senior. I'm just saying, like, you, it feels like the guys pop. Tony Lippett, Aaron Burbridge, third all time, Benny Fowler, third all time in receiving yards, and he didn't even play for the for how for the. He played for two years. Third all time in receiving yards, played two years. He is a a Jaron Jackson level impact on the on the football field. Eight all time in Michigan State in receptions. Yeah, I, I mean, it's... He, set the, he has the season uh, receiving yards, and he's second to himself. It's just unbelievable stuff. I mean, it's hard to even, like I said... That's And, and obviously, being a football player does not define no, this tragic no. loss of life, but it is important to celebrate, you know, what it, one of the most electric players that we ever witnessed and somebody who made me want to continue to be a diehard Michigan State fan. And like, I owe a lot of, not a lot, but like he came along at such an Im- impactful age for me. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's You're, so sad. I mean, I, it's just so sad. A thought to ponder just for fun. Is he the best wide receiver uh, that Nick Saban ever coached in college? Hmm. I mean, I, that's, I don't even want you to answer. I just want you to think and think about that. No, I know, but you're putting him already, just by asking the question, you're putting him in the territory of, at least off the top of my head, Julio Jones, which he was that dude. He's like, that he was, dude. He was that dude. So if he compares more favorably like in his playing style to an A.J. Green than a Julio, okay. but he was every bit that dude. It's just incredible. So Again, we're not doing it justice. Please uh, go check out his videos. Read the articles that Austin yep. uh, mentioned. Um, you know, t- tough, tough weekend for, yeah. for us. Tragic weekend. Uh, it's, you know, so again, hug, we extend, hug your loved ones. Yes, extend our deepest condolences to everybody 
in the Winston and Rogers family and everybody else impacted by this. But um, they're, they're, it's never, this is the worst transition. I feel I like we have to it. do this from time to time, I but know. it sucks. But there were sports that happened. And if you came here for that, we're going to get some jokes off. Yeah, I mean, so. we're going to try to lighten the mood, I suppose, a bit. Um, but let's talk about basketball first and okay. foremost. <laughs> a different kind of joke. Yes. Took place. Um, so MSU played in the Champions Classic, uh, lost 69-62 to, to Kentucky. Um, you can take as much or as little as you want from these games. Um Weirdly, I think Graham Couch had a good headline where he said, you know, while MSU may have lost the last four games of the Champions Classic, they belong because of their results in March and April. And wow, yeah, you you right. And um, that's just it. I think last week, Austin, you mentioned uh, making some comparisons on you would take a Team A today, but maybe in March you'd take Team B. I would say the exact same thing from what I saw of Michigan State against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And no disrespect to Kentucky, they're going to grow and get better too. Um, they have a maybe all-American guard, small sample size, and Maxi, who we'll touch on in a moment. Um, but I, I was so pleased watching Michigan State lose that game. And I don't get me wrong; I didn't want them to lose. The way they lost, I was like, "That's fine." I, th- I think you're right. Can I you think that you I- didn't. You- I didn't come out of this game thinking, wow, Panic. they're screwed. Because it, the... The way you lose... Yes. Is, very important, especially at this point. The, the context year. is so important. The tight calls at the beginning... We're ne- Again, you come to this podcast, you ain't going to get blamed the refs, guys. No. The way it was called, you can learn from that the way we played the rest of the year. That's fine. Well, I think there's important takeaways there, too. And I think, you know, I, I think everyone knows at this point it's going to be a week to the day by the time this podcast comes out. We don't need to go through all of the no. nitty-gritty. No, no, no. But when you talk about the big themes coming out of this, first and foremost is Aaron Henry is extremely important to this team. Absolutely. Especially today. We learned that really – how great. You learned that. You learned that three minutes into the game because he picks three up two fouls. Three minutes into the season, you learn how important that is. Now, that's not to say that there isn't anything off the bench. No, not at all. I think – but again, you learn that he is going to be critical to Michigan State's success. Which is Because great. when he was off the floor, Kentucky was able to score a little bit. Uh, Michigan State struggled to create offense outside of Cassius Winston, and things weren't pretty in that first half. Uh, but to me, roster-wise and talent-wise, I'm not concerned by the level of talent or that there's some particular part of this Michigan State team that's missing yeah. from a personnel perspective. Correct. If anything, unless seeing... It's, unless it's Joey Hauser. We would like, take well, that. Well, I would love to have we Joey will take that. Yes, correct. Uh, now, if... Uh, I would say that Kyle Ahrens, for example, playing well and playing more than I think we thought he would play, that alone is, is enough of a win for me. Dude, he is my ultimate... Um, the boat is leaking plug. 100%. <laughs> like, he's perfect. He's, he, he's great. But man. I think the biggest thing coming out of this was twofold. From a personnel perspective, I personally know that I underrated the inexperience level of oh. the remainder of the roster, aside from maybe an Arns, Cassius, and Xavier. And that showed up in this game in absolute spades. I mean, again, Henry alone get, getting fouled out exacerbated the issue because he, even though he's a sophomore, is probably the fourth most experienced player on this team because he yep. started the majority, if not all, of last year. Yep. But when you talk about the other guys that are going to be really critical to this team's success, you're talking about especially 
Rocket Watts, Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham. Those are your big three and, to and, me. And Malik. I'll throw Malik Hall in there too, but especially those three to me jump out. You get to learn about them in this moment. Yes, and I think we saw good things from each of them. Well, good things from a couple of them. Rocket, we saw nothing. We saw a guy that pressed. So the moment was too big. Moment and, was too big. And you know what, though? That's okay. That's okay. 100%. Because that role was Josh Lankford's. Right. Okay, and and while you did have weeks to prepare to maybe be the... That's okay. Because no one's asking him to be where he needs to be yet. He's right. going to have to get there. But I think that that's one thing where when... Taking the actual detail of the team out of this, you look at a team that come into the year ranked number one, you have the senior point guard, you talk about all this returning minutes and all this stuff, and you think, oh, this is a crazy experienced team. In reality, again, there is a really inexperienced, multiple very inexperienced players playing crucial roles on this team, no one more so than Rocket Watts. And he, moment was too big. End of story. I think you also saw Gabe Brown you saw the peak of Gabe Brown and you saw the absolute floor. And I think that's the type of player we described last week and on the preview yeah. that you can kind of expect to get two varying degrees as the season goes on. And you know what? Just for funsies, I love it. I mean, yeah, the <laughs> entertainment value is extremely I'm here for I'm here for fun. Yeah. And I, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Fair enough. You know, I want Gabe. Gabe, he's got comes in, he has eight points on three of ten shooting, you know. I, I don't, the, the positives there, we needed somebody to take those shots. He took the shots. A couple of them were horrible shots. He pulled up for a long two on a fast break. My man. Time. He got yanked. He did, but he deserved it. But I think that that to me speaks to the, the state of the team. It is a not an experience maybe necessarily even from playing time, but just from like making critical decisions. Yep. Like Gabe Brown was not given the ball in those situations last year. Correct. He got the ball in the wing and he launched. Yep. Marcus Bingham played garbage minutes and that was it. <laughs> Rocket Watts to, never played. To be fair, I don't think – I think it's it's silly for us or anyone to – we know – that's what Gabe Brown does. Of course. And bless him. He's going to do what he's going to do, baby. Bless him. I, I mean, I love it. I, I that's the guy you're going to get. I'm just saying, moving forward, like, I, I can live don't with that change, in this game. Who, do not change who you are. No. So to put a bow on this one, yeah. the biggest thing that jumps out, and we'll actually we'll touch on that in a minute, but just to, for this specific game, I am okay with the loss Be, for a couple of reasons. Go two, ahead. two quick Go things. Ahead. First, like you said, to your point, this team is not today what it is going to be. And you've give, be given yourself the roadmap for where you need to get. And neither is Kentucky. Props to that. 100%. But I don't think we're going to shoot five from 26 from three again. That's a very real concern. Three-point shooting has officially become a storyline. I don't think we're going five of 26 in a big game again. And on top of that, I don't think we're facing someone like Tyrese Maxey who's going to hit like four logo shots. Logo shots. I just Listen, if those things come together and happen again, shame on me. But those... If I'm only going to lose that game by seven points against the number two team in the country in my first game with an inexperienced team at Madison Square Garden, I can live with that. With with Tyrese Maxey doing some Quentin Grimes things, Ugh. which, by the way, didn't pan out for no. Kansas. He was doing some Trey Young stuff, yeah, which is fine. But you know what scares me? We're being a little dismissive. You know what scares me? And I told this to you after the game. That's March, man. Mm-hmm. You get one game like that, yep. 
and you got a guy who's who he looks no disrespect to Tyrese Maxey, but he looked like a kid that got invited on the court for a half court shot. Yeah, he, the way he like launch pushes it. I mean, his one foot was out in front of I mean. the other Tommy shot. He hit, he hits it. That's I'm, hilarious. I'm just saying that's fine. But you know what? I, when it boils down to it, in this game, in this scenario, it was disappointing. No question. 14 assists, 16 turnovers. That jumps off the stat sheet. Cassius, I think, went one of seven from deep. The, this team just wasn't really ready i think they got really it seems to me like they got super blindsided by the josh langford stuff because the rest of the guys had clearly not practiced in those situations so great learning experience they only dropped to number three this week you have maybe too many opportunities to redeem this loss so they already got on the board doing so they did against what we talked about uh last week is maybe the worst team (laughs) that michigan state will play this year Yep. In Binghamton, and I hope they cash their check immediately. Um, if if you were able to tune in, it was not a close game. Uh, 100 to 47, uh, for what it's worth, half a point over on the over for me. That was a big free throw from Connie George. Yeah. <laughs> my, my wife, who is continuing to ask me why I am pacing during a 100 to 47 win, I was like, I was like, I'm uncomfortable telling you that I... Uh, because I got to pay the rent, baby. That's why. <laughs> uh, no, I don't bet that much. But uh, let's see. Let, you know, it's easy to point out a lot of good. Um, I think it, it's hard to take anything away from this one, too. This one especially. It's really yeah. tough. Here's what, here's what I will say. Um, it was really nice to see every person play again, obviously. Um, got to see Thomas Kithier really... St- I guess you would say step into his role, five for five, most of them dunks. He knows his role. Great. That's how he gets his points. I don't worry about Thomas Kithier. I love it. But I love to see that he's getting double-digit points, even if it's against mm-hmm. Binghamton. The other thing that was a my-god moment was Mr. Marble. Young Julius. Who Welcome. We, you know, he. I think we predicted might be a project this year, which is fine. Um, <laughs> right. But he did a non-project thing in the game, taking an alley-oop from Foster Lawyer. He looked very capable um, cocking back. And that just made us go, huh, hmm. my goodness. Consider me all in on, on the lawyer to marble alley-oops. You piqued my interest. Also, um, I guess the final takeaway, you know, uh, Bingham only played 12 minutes, but they were very active minutes. Yep. 13 points, 5 of 9 um, from the field. Uh, six total rebounds, three blocks. Three blocks is a nice number. Here's here's what I want you to consider. For me, and that that is a little bit above table stakes for Marcus Bingham. I, I'm going to give him credit. But against a team like Binghamton, which, by the way, Bingham, greater than Binghamton. It worked out. I need to see it against Seton Hall. No, and I don't think that's an unreasonable request. But I think if we're going to talk about Marcus Bingham for a second mm-hmm. – the, I have been highly encouraged by what we've seen through two games because he's not afraid to at least assert himself. Mm-hmm. I think it's just growing pains. And that's, and that's that's to be expected. And I think we have, if you look at this team, you needed him to be something. Mm-hmm. If this is the baseline, if this is the bottom where we're going we're gonna to get at least this, yep. we that's massively helpful to this team down the stretch. And what if halfway through the season, mm-hmm. as he's – playing more, carving mm-hmm. out more of a role. He takes steps up and up with more experience. So 
yeah, and it's it's a, you can see it's not quite there starting to click. You can see him thinking. Still. Yep. And that there's hope, nothing you can do about that except play. And I hope that eventually all the when I say you can see him thinking, you can see him saying in his own head, I don't have to settle for the three. That's right. all I did last year. I, I, I can I can get my points chasing rebounds. I can yep. post up. I can do these things. But you can see him thinking about it, and I know that's a weird thing to say. No, it's true. But once that becomes a little more natural, which will take time because, guys, he's a project. Um, that is why the NBA scouts are drooling. Yes. He is right there. And the other final thing we'll take away from this game Rocket Watts, not a good performance. No, this is two straight that's uh, concerning. One of seven from deep. Not what you want to see. He is definitely still pressing, and I think he's feeling the weight of the lack of Lankford right now. Now, on top of that, real quick. Sorry. He, I think all he needs is one big one. Mm -hmm. To me, it's it's you, you get one big performance, and Rocket's feeling himself. He strikes me as a streaky guy. I want him... I want it, the game has to come to him. Yes. That's so easy to say. What a cliche. Mm-hmm. Right? But he's pressing. And here's here's a watch out. Gabe Brown, you know, for all the things we said in the Kentucky game, incredibly efficient game. Yep. 13 minutes, seven points, three or four shooting. You may start to see if Rocket Watts, there is an opportunity for Gabe Brown to crack the starting lineup. 100%. I, I have a feeling Rocket's going to keep that job. For a while, if only because he seems like a bit of a in-his-head kid. Because the defense wasn't there. Tell you what, he's taken off the dribble a few times. One other thing, just to to tie back to the unfortunate stuff we talked about earlier. The fact that Cassius Winston played in this game should honestly draw standing ovations from every single Michigan State Mm. alumni, student, person who's ever seen this man in public. The amount of... I don't even know what to call it. Like fortitude, mental toughness yeah. to go out and find the the will to play in this game is something that I think says so much about him as a young man and uh, is, is honestly one of the more admirable things. Because he did not have to play this game. God. Like he did not have to play this of game. And I, think it's, I think it's, once again, speaks to that you know, family effect and that normalizing effect of basketball can be basketball a normalizing can be therapy. It was. And, and I hope that's why he wanted to play is because it felt like an escape. Yes. For a moment. Um, and there's no playbook for no. how to handle tragedy. And I'm just really happy that, I mean, Candidly, I'll admit, tears in my eyes to see him smile during the game because there was a small sliver of time where he got to take a moment away and enjoy something, and I'm happy that he had that opportunity. And if he doesn't feel like playing this week, I hope he feels no any type of guilt or feel no. like he has to do that no and nor should he and i think it it says a lot about him and, and i think anybody who you got to respect his decision either way not that we've heard that he would or no wouldn't, but no. but I, I to bring it back to basketball the fact that he played was amazing but the fact that he only played 26 minutes we talked about that as when you're playing these lesser opponents 
finding minutes for him off of the court. And I would bet that he would have gotten way less, except for this was, again, a release. Yeah, An true. area where he got to true. experience something different. Well, it, it was, again, to, to just wrap up the week, um, I think from a basketball perspective, would you have liked to have won? Yeah, of course. We would have loved to have beaten Kentucky. Loved to be number one. Down the road, you might look back at this, see it as a huge learning opportunity, and um, you know, think ultimately it's not that big of a deal. Again, it's not like it's going to be a black mark when it comes to March, losing the number two team in the first game of the season. So there are more games coming up this week. It's true. And, uh, well, really, it's just one. But it's a big one. It is a big one. The Gavit Games, folks. Gavit tip-off, baby. Big East versus Big Ten. Yeah, and that is uh, the Kids in the Hall, <laughs> Seton Hall Pirates, currently sitting at number 12, uh, but it's gonna be uh, tough. It, this is not the number one 12, or excuse me, the number 12 team in the country that you're expecting to see, and it is by no fault of their own. Their first team, I believe preseason All-American Correct. guard, Miles Powell, is out for at least this week, I believe, with an ankle injury. I mean... Uh, it's course, a nightmare situation he, for them. He, he could obviously pull a Willis Reed if sure. that's, that's an old reference. And He's show, so old. I'm not, that, again, I wasn't even alive when he did that. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Um, but uh, you know, he could certainly play. But man, it doesn't look like it. Um, but yeah, that. I mean, he's the reason they're ranked number twelve. Let's, they have certainly some other nice pieces. Again, but, yeah, candidly, he's. You know, you get a guy like that coming back, a dude who definitely tested the waters as a sophomore. I as believe he, he averaged well over 20 points a game last year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and, and this year, um, they have some other nice pieces, and I'll let you touch on th- that in a minute. But, man, if he, he's a uh, returning senior, one of one of the best in the Big East and the country. Yeah, so last year he, goes, he averaged 23 points a game, uh, shot 36% from deep. 84% from the line, th- four rebounds, three assists, even average two steals a game. I mean, this dude, only three turnovers. I mean, this is this is legitimately an All-American type of player. Now, not overly big at 6'2", but, you know, he, he is le- a, a force to Bucket be getter. With. Bucket getter, Like, yes. uh, who is a great comparison? Maybe Chris Dunn. <laughs> trying to think of Providence. Like someone- College Chris Dunn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, like someone that was just worth... Shamari Pons is a bad name. He's a little too young, too short. Jameer Nelson. Sure. Delonte West. A, a guy that could just go and do his own thing. He's just on his own. Yeah. So anyway. So he he is, but he's out. Enough about him. He gone. He carried them to a twenty and fourteen record last year. They lost by only four to Kansas as a nine seed. So you know, obviously coming into this year, expected to take that next step. They might long term. They're not going to right now. So this is a big loss for them. Now they do have. Uh, a handful of other players who actually I believe they have five players averaging double figures. Uh, the leading scorer currently is 6'11", 240-pound forward Sandro Mamukalashvili. Mamukalashvili. Nice. I think that's pretty good. Incredible. Um, uh, comes in, like I said, uh, checking all of the physical boxes at 6'11", 240. 14 points a game, five rebounds, even two and a half assists. Not much of a shooter from three. I think he's only averaging about 28%. Yep. 28.6%. So probably more of a low post threat than anything else, but is is the primary bucket getter for this team. Uh, they also, they tend to run a lot of guards. Uh, their next leading scorer is Quincy McKnight, 
who checks in at, um, I believe, 6'4". He averages 12 points a game, five assists, and two and a half rebounds, number zero. They also have Jared Roden, who uh, is averaging 11 and a half points. Um, McKnight is shooting 44% from three, obviously small sample size. They do have a couple other guys in Shavar Reynolds, who's a guard, who's averaging nine points a game, and Romaro Gill, a center who averages nine points. So uh, it does look like they have a bit of a big man rotation in Mamukelashvili, Gill, and Obiaju, Ike Obiaju, who averages seven and a half points a game. Um, but all in all, really the biggest thing to know about this team is just that Miles Powell is not on it. And I think that officially moves... It's funny, you and I, when we were looking at the schedule to begin the year, this was the game okay. legit of all of the big games that scared me the most because you're going truly on the road yeah, to Seton Hall. And it was their their marquee home game. Yes, and this is this and that doesn't Still change. Is. That doesn't change here, but this was the one where I was like, oh boy, Miles Powell might go for 40 and they might just run Michigan State out of the building. Nah. Well, not, not that that was ever going to happen, but they might they'd be tough to beat that night, I'll put it that way. Now, now this is a you are definitely the better team now. Yeah. You have you have to go win this game. Yeah, and and um, again, a good test. I think it's a good medium test. You know, if you played, you lost your big test, and then you got a layup game against Binghamton. Yep. And now you get a bunch of D1 players. Yeah. You're going to play D1 players now. And this is a nice little, uh, almost like a dipping the toe into the water for what is to come here in the next few weeks. It gets, it, like we said, this is... It's dicey quick. And, you know, can't overlook this game either because, no. like we talked about, playing on the road, that's an experience too for freshmen. Yep. So we'll find out. So, um, looking forward to the hoop season. You've noticed we weren't too concerned. In fact, you know, losses don't really matter as long as you see growth. Mm-hmm. The first game we saw growth. Um would be disappointed with a loss at Seton Hall. Yeah, one hundred percent. I, I, I don't think at any point would Kentucky that loss have been truly disappointing unless they had gotten blown out a la when they were the number two and lost to UConn. Yeah, in Germany, I believe that was. Mm. This was not that. I think you saw tangible reasons why they can still be the best team in the country. They're still elite. I don't think my expectations certainly have not changed uh, whatsoever, and. Uh, this is now a game that if they want to, this game won't determine their season by any stretch, but they should win this game. Speaking of games that have determined their season. Oh, God damn it. Michigan State, unfortunately, played a football game. And guys, if you came here for anything but jokes, you came to the wrong place because it's time to get them off. Uh, I mean, we'll do the jokes. I also want to just air this entire program out right now. But this was, I mean, we've said it. A few times recently, uh, oh, but this is John L. Now we've reached the point of no return. You, you the lever goes eight, nine, ten, John L. And we are now past the like the meter is it, it's broken. The arm's gone. This was honestly a, an era of Michigan State football that I thought. And I think any reasonable individual thought was gone. I mean, I, I I don't see anything wrong with saying that. Like, we watched an incompetent the, the first half up until the literally the last play. I you had everybody fooled. 
Everybody. We're like, oh, the offense looks decent. They're moving the ball. They're going to go beat the living shit out of a terrible team. It looked great. Then you give up a Hail Mary 88-yard <laughs> touchdown right going into well, half. Well, it wasn't an 88-yard touchdown, but they went 88 yards. The sound you hear is me pouring bourbon. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's that time of day. Yeah. Folks, I got to tell you, there's nothing you can do but laugh. When you see... Here's a takeaway. You want to talk about the game? We'll get to it. Here's a takeaway for you. The coaching search went from two to one. Want to know why? Mr. Mike Tressel, see ya! Yeah, bye. You want to know why? You're done. Multiple reasons. (laughs) I'll list them if you have the time. In fact, stay tuned. I might get frisky. Here's what you did. Well, you decided to play whatever defense you had with with a Brandon Peters at quarterback. The end of the half, and the only capable offensive player on Illinois outside of Reggie Corbin, who is a non-factor when there's no time left on the clock, and you decided to, gee, I don't know, play some sort of weird non-prevent, but you played prevent up to it, and then with the final play in the game, have a one-on-one situation? It was, it's it's a systemic failure. Not done. (laughs) Then... As you get to the fourth quarter, because you've ultimately collapsed upon yourself. And the fact that anyone said, hey, if the offense just gets a few first downs, the game over. And then you set it in your own head to yourself and you laughed. Because no way that could happen, even though they had already scored 34 points that game. The fact that on fourth and 16, you decided to not have a safety help and have one-on-one bump coverage against, again, the only player that would ever be able to make a play and just say, you know what, we'll take our chances. And wait, not done yet. You're going to do it again. Even though Illinois bails you out by running fades in the corner, you still, still bail them out. It, it, it's a variety of, it's a, it's a systemic failure. I mean, the, the play calling coming from... I said I wasn't going to get just mad. Well, it's too late for that. Uh, that ship is sailed. Oh, boy. Uh, but... It's everything. It's coaching, too, because on that last play that you're referring to, you had a fourth-year starter in David Dowell get completely lost at sea. How? Completely lost at sea. What is he looking at beyond Uh, one player? I I, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't blame players because you have to set them up to succeed. Right, but that's bad coaching. Exactly. This is, I would argue, maybe the worst loss of D'Antonio's tenure. It is, and you know what? The only things that are close happen this season. No, I don't agree with that. Who? Losing to Central Michigan at home. Fine. Sure. Now we the have... The point of the matter is we've got one... We have one other contributor to this conversation. Here's a thought. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's a systemic, complete, and total failure. There's one coach that Lovey Smith gets to say he owns. Mark D'Antonio. Guess what? There are two coaches that get to say that. Who? Lovey Smith and Herm Edwards. Correction. There are two former NFL coaches that get to say they own That were laughed out of the NFL. And were both laughed at when they were hired for their respective programs. Laughed out of the NFL and into college football. It's it's honestly, at this point, it's it's really pathetic. Brandon Peters had 369 yards passing and three touchdowns. You know how many yards passing Illinois average going into that game? 163. Did you say eight? Yeah. I love it. 163. Unbelievable. 
I, it, honestly, we don't need to spend too much more time on this game, but this this legitimately was. I have one more. I okay. raised my hand. Go ahead. We need to talk about. Here's what I did like. I'll say something I liked. Brian Lewerke using it, using his legs not in a scramble situation purposefully. Plays called for him. Now here's the here's the problem with that. You open him up to hits. He got hit. He got hard. He got hit and appeared to be dazed. He appeared to be not well. He appeared to wave off the referee who said, are you okay? And then immediately threw an interception that candidly looked... It was not in the zip code of a receiver. Yeah, with a wide open guy right in front of him. Mm -hmm. And I'm not blaming the player, but you have to be a coach and think ahead, hey, he just got hit on the head. Maybe... Maybe we should call a timeout because we have those. No, but those – see, here's the thing. You're, you're segueing perfectly into our state of the program mm. por- portion of, of this program, and that is that it is – it's over. Ugh. It's beyond over. We've said it before, but it is failures in so many different parts. It's failures of players making terrible mistakes – not knowing where they need to be because they're poorly coached, and coaches calling stupid plays, and then coaches not being aware of situations. like That is a systemic program-wide failure. When you talk about the John L. Smith and Bobby Williams comparisons, that is why we make those comparisons, because those were clown shows. Do you know, do you know why it's so insane? It's like whack-a-mole, and who's going to mess up more? Yeah. The offensive line showed up. Yeah, they showed up and played great. They had 275 yards rushing. They ran They ran all over Illinois. They were up 25 in the second half. It's incredible stuff, really. It's shocking. It's, it's legitimately they shocking. They held Illinois to 36 yards rushing. Reggie Corbin, as we talked about, he'll play on Sundays. Yeah. I don't know for how long, but he is a, he is a guy. You are – I think the biggest giveaway now was – and I think you started to see it in drips and drabs after Penn State. Now it's the players that define the D'Antonio era on social media coming out and being like, this is not what I built. This Mm-mm. is not what I've been a part of. This is not the program that has like had a legitimate spot on the you know, Big Ten Mount Rushmore for the last 10 years. People laugh at us now. We're now a joke. No, I, I think D'Antonio's cash and his his benefit of the doubt. We talked about it with Michigan basketball when John Beeline left. Yeah. Good you said the benefit of the doubt's gone. Yeah. You don't get it anymore until you prove you deserve it. I don't know what Mark D'Antonio could do from here on out to prove that he deserves that again. And I think it speaks to now, and I, I, read, I think it was Jim Comperoni, so shout out to him, hat tip. Or maybe it was uh, Matt Dorsey. But I was reading what I thought was a very astute description of where we're at as a, as a program. What was that? It was that right now, Mark D'Antonio, and you heard Bill Beekman say it, he's not going to get fired. Yep. And quite frankly, I don't want him to get fired. I don't think any fan wants him to get coach unceremoniously Ugh, let go. I hate that. It's ugly, especially for a guy like this who has undoubtedly, no matter what happens, what has happened – led this program to the best place it has ever been. Mm-hmm. Ever been. Well, Forget the 60s. No, I'm okay. not on the 60s. Okay, okay. <laughs> they haven't. Ever been in okay. the modern era, okay. last 50 years. That's fine. But 
it is now up to him mm-hmm. to decide what's going to happen here. We talked about it before, and we said there's two scenarios. Either he stays and fires everybody and refreshes the coaching staff, okay. or he just says goodbye. And I think there's a legitimate – because there's no third option. Like Bill, Bill Beekman could be the most lame duck, coward, and – to be honest with you, I don't mind that he's not caring about football right now. This university has so many other things had that it needs hey, to tackle. That's fine. The football coach should not be your top priority. Yeah. But it's up to Mark D'Antonio to make sure that he does the right thing here. Because I do not think in a million years that he is going to fire everybody on his staff. And I don't think – if that's not the option, the only other option is to step down because otherwise – you're just going to run this back and it's going to just keep getting worse because there needs to be a change. There needs to be a spark. This program has completely lost its way. And to be honest with you, the point that I really agreed with was that like, I don't think Mark D'Antonio, Mark D'Antonio is not a young man. Okay. He's had health problems. He's got kids that are entering the real world that he's going to want to be around, which is great, which is amazing. But I don't think he has it in him. To climb that mountain again. Yeah, it's it's it is, and I hope he realizes that. And you know what? No one's asking you to. Seriously, no one's asking you to because we know it takes time. Yep. We are a patient fan base. We are. I mean, most of us, and we get it. We know how there are difficulties with being Michigan State in the Big Ten East. We're not stupid. These things take time to get to the mountaintop. If you want to, you're at the bottom again. At the bottom, do you want to try all over again? Well, here's the thing now, though. I don't even know that he can successfully do it. Right, right. And and partially it's not even his fault because now you have the, because for the last couple years, but especially now you have the negative recruiting stance of, well, how long is he going to be around? You really want to go there when for the last five years he's been terrible? Like I, all right. of these other things. I got to tell you also, you know what happens? People vote with their wallets. Mm-hmm. Okay? And here's what's going to happen. Next year's 2020 home football slate is the best, the best it's been since I can ever remember. Ever. I will put my name on it. Here's who's coming to East Lansing. Ready? Northwestern, not chill out. <laughs> Miami, Florida. Michigan, Ohio State, Minnesota. <laughs> Let's go. Don't worry about anyone else. <laughs> Rutgers was going to ruin my point. <laughs> Those are that is four premier programs. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who don't want to renew their season tickets. Yeah, I mean, I think this is your chance to to change the tenor of the program because next year's slate is really hard. It's incredibly difficult. But guess what? I can sit here today and honestly say I would rather have a 7-5 and five new head coach record than a 7-5 and five Mark D'Antonio because, because at least there is positive momentum. There's upward trajectory. There's a baseline. Exactly. You are now going uphill instead of plateauing and and whether that's fair to mark d'antonio or not it's a it's of his own creation if you're great this is what's going to happen if you if you let that complacency settle yeah you set the bar for yourself 
but you used all your mulligans. I mean, we've talked Over. about it. We, it. I just think it's done, and it's really sad. sad. And I just hope going into this week that Mark D'Antonio tells his team, hey, guys, it's my last year. Let's go get these bastards. Cool. God, that was depressing. Speaking of going and getting those bastards, Ed O. Hmm. Went into Tuscaloosa. Did, did, we, you, did we not say that? I said it. Did you hear his quote? Go Tiger. No. He was like, we're going to beat him in a recruiting. We're going to beat him in our ass on the field. We're going to beat him every way of our life. Let's go, LSU. Let's go, Tiger. I love it. It's so nice to see a guy that just so is like obviously so from are. Alabama. Or no, uh, Louisiana. There Sorry. It is. My bad. Um, obviously from Louisiana. That Bayou. Just like to to watch them succeed is so cool. Can you imagine? Let's let's run that back before we jump into them. An amazing game, by the way. Great it game. lived up to the, the Great hype. Game. Hard to do. Think of yourself like in different states if the coach was the program the way that Ed O is. In the sense that like if PJ Fleck at Minnesota was like, whoop, sorry. Love or just there. oh man. I don't know. I gotta say Jim McElwain having sex with a shark was pretty Florida. Wanting to mm. the shark, no, I, wow. but thinking about like other states that you're really like you become this, so it'd just be Matthew McConaughey as the head coach in Texas. That would be because yeah. that's what Edo is doing for sure, right? I love it. You know, if you can find that perfect synergy, it Bo Pelini in Ohio would have been really at Youngstown. Good. Well, yeah. he is that, well, yeah, okay, there yeah, he's doing that right now. Yeah, I think that's just a really special thing that needs to be appreciated. Mm. Um, Burt Bielema. Oh, at Wisconsin. Yeah. It was too good. That's why yeah. we loved it so much. I know. Um, but this game ruled. LSU beat Alabama 46-41. to 41, uh, 1,100 yards of offense. Um, it's not fair. It's really upsetting that these teams now have good offenses. I might re-watch the game. These were two teams that are not supposed to no. have these. The under was like the most sexy pick of all time. <laughs> Even though these teams were had good offenses. Yeah. It was like, well... When LSU and Alabama get together, no one scores. And not true. Really? Who is this LSU offensive coordinator who's about to make just bank? Great Q. Whoever he is is about to make himself. He's about to get whatever head coaching job he wants and make so much money. So the Heisman race is Joe Burrow and Justin Fields, right? Like who else? I mean, with Chase Young now out. <laughs> All right. I feel like there's a running back somewhere that was having a really good season. No, it's Jonathan Taylor, and there's Chubba yeah. at Oklahoma State. Yeah. You know, there's that's it, man. Yeah, I guess so. Joe Burrow is quite – he is the new um, uh, Chris Winkie or uh, who is the Oklahoma yeah, – Jason White. No, he's Cam, he's Cam Newton. Well, he Cam might... Newton transferred from Florida and went oh, to Auburn I see what and, you're doing. and won a championship. I see what you're doing here. Here's a weird question to consider. Could Ohio State be even better – if Joe Burrow was their quarterback. <laughs> I consider it. hate that this is a conversation. It's a real thing you have to I think about. I hate it because it's like, could a billionaire be richer <laughs> That's a good... if they got rid of this certain tax? It's like, ugh, yeah. God, I yeah, hate it. Exactly. <laughs> it sucks when you're irrelevant and some teams are like, oh, no, we let that guy who's probably going to win the Heisman go and we're still number one. Still going to win it all yeah. against that guy. I'm probably against him. God. Appalachian State beat South Carolina 20-15. to 15. And if you thought being an MSU fan was hard, imagine being a South Carolina fan. No, I think that's easier because you never even reached the mountaintop. No, but consider this. 
you get to beat Georgia, Georgia and then lose to, to a group of no, five See, teams. I'm kind of okay with that. All right. I think if you're a South Carolina fan, you just kind of live in that moment. But Clemson's also getting natties. Yeah, well, that's... So that's... Okay, you see, see where I'm going with different. this? That's different. That would suck. It's so hard. Yeah. Um, and then the... It's fun- a different type of suck, but it sucks. <sighs> it's difficult. No, the last one... Told you guys to watch Wyoming at Boise. Lived it up to the expectations. Wyoming missed a field goal as Tom expired. The reason why we care? Hold on to this one. Boise remains the program with the best winning percentage of all time. That will that will lead into why your program sucks soon. Yes, it will. Big Ten results will go quickly. I got to be honest. Ohio State was no, a forty. Take, take oh okay. Was a forty-two and a half point fave against Maryland, and it was safe. Felt good about it. They Free won, money. They won 73 to 14. 73 to 14. There are some interesting conspiracy theories out there. Have you heard them? No. That Maryland was the one that called the NCAA and said there was some uh, foolishness. Tom Foolery. Some horseplay with mm. Chase Young, who is from the DMV. Oh, now that would make sense. But is it. Wor- I don't put it past Mike Loxley, who wasn't there yet. That's where the conspiracy theory falls apart a little bit. Hmm. Chase Young is a oh yeah, but like you, Mike doesn't mean Mike Lawson can't get word. No and doubt, pick up the phone. no doubt, no doubt. The the point Win of matter, cost. the or point of matter, cost. Here's where it became a conspiracy theory. Ohio State was doing onside kicks in the first half. Hell yeah, you know like they were calling timeouts. They were going. I love it. They covered for me in the first half. That's beautiful. Felt good about it. Um, the weird part is, is Chase Young didn't even play. Imagine it could have been didn't worse. Didn't matter. Hot take. Hit me. I don't think it's a big deal that he's not playing. Well, of course, because they're playing no one. No, but it's also Ohio State. I think people, somehow, somehow, Ohio State, from a recruiting perspective, manages to fly under the radar when compared with the likes of Bama and LSU and and Clemson. They are recruiting and have at that level at that level mm-hmm. for since when Urban Meyer started. It's just and it's it's obnoxious. And and you know you're right. No one likes to get because they're boring. But it's exacerbated now because they have a quarterback. Yep. Now people are like, whoa. Now people get it exactly. Yeah. People are like, wait a minute, this team is incredible everywhere. I mean, shit, dude, look at both of the Boses. They, they're, the they were the best. AFC and NFC defensive player of the week a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's incredible stuff. They they churn out as many pros at impact positions yeah. as any other school. And it sucks to play them all the time. It's true. But, like, I think Chase Young, superstar, unquestionably. There's somebody else that's going to be really good for them. And they're, they've got great coaches. They're going to figure this shit out. Let's, you're right. They I'm have, not saying now if you get to the playoff yes. and you don't have him, that's when it's a problem. It's really interesting that Ohio State appealed and apparently he's going to be back for the Penn State and Michigan game. Hmm. Hmm. You don't say. Hmm. Hmm. Good for them though. I don't. I don't care, man. Dude, who cares? You think I give Beat a shit? Beat them both. I, give a shit? I don't really have ill will towards Ohio State. They're obnoxious. I hate the cheer, but like whatever. You can't hurt us anymore, man. We're broken. Well, we just it, your friend of your enemy of your enemy is your friend. Let me hit you with another game that had to happen. Purdue beat Northwestern, twenty-four to twenty-two. Hey, here's something. Northwestern scored twenty-two points. They won. They won this game. I don't care about the score. That's wild, man. That's wild. They scored twenty-two points. Um, by the way, shout out to us. Yeah. Because early in the season we said these guys might be like big, big bad. Oh man, they're one and eight. Also, we want you, the listener, to call us out. We only pat ourselves on the back when we're right. Tell us when we're wrong. 
don't think it's ever happened though. Yeah, it's up there or a lot. It's it's either it's never happened or it's happened most times. We just black it out. Wisconsin beat Iowa twenty four to twenty two. Can I tell you a story? Sure. I was in Iowa this weekend. Don't worry about it. And um, I went to a dive bar Saturday night with my brother in law. And we walked in, and Iowa had already lost to Wisconsin, but there was a heavy amount of Iowa fans still there because there was a potluck. Because it was a dive bar? No, there was a potluck. (laughs) And it wasn't even advertised. People just bring crock pots of food to the bar and share it and watch the game in the middle of Iowa, which I thought was great. And they even offered it to me even though it was like five hours after the game had ended i said no thank you (laughs) but i thought that was incredible um wisconsin technically won 24 to 22 we learned wisconsin's not that good no iowa still bad but you know what frisky iowa man damn but you know what guess what i was ranked 20th yeah they lost in their it's a conspiracy theory i'm telling you i'm telling you there is a chance they have been the 18th to 24th ranked team every week for the past 10 years, and no one knows. Can't prove it wrong. No. I, Show I, me. I certainly won't. Show me that I'm wrong about that. Yo, yeah, you're right. God, it's just it's incredible stuff, man. Um, and then finally, we're here. We're there. Ready for it? Yep. Minnesota Golden Gophers take down Penn State 31-26. to it's time. Talk to... about it. I'm gonna take the floor, please. May I? Yeah. Hey, you've earned it. Thanks, man. Um, you guys may have thought I was tongue in cheek, and maybe I was, but it's time to consider the Golden Gophers hmm. because Penn State they gave them everything, and Minnesota took every punch and punch back, and not only like Minnesota did it on their terms. You know what's the most upsetting part? And we talked about this. Minnesota is not as a, is not as talented as Penn State yep. at any position, and they just didn't hurt themselves. And they played the right, they did everything right, and they won because they were tougher and they did the right thing. And the damning part, and the thing that really hurt, is when you texted me and you were like, "That's Michigan State from yeah." So I I texted that to you. I also tweeted it, and that's why it hurt. Like I was watching the game, and I'm like, "Damn." They said it in the broadcast. Mm. Somebody said they are more physical, mm-hmm. better coach. They're, they're physical, they're well coached, and they're disciplined. They don't hurt themselves. And I literally just thought, like, that's what I used to hear about Michigan State every week. They beat a better team. They beat a they beat a they beat a more talented team. That's what I mean. I'm not surprised to see Penn State lose. Oh, this game. James Franklin couldn't handle the moment. <laughs> it's not even that. It's just that. Penn State is – I don't think Penn State with the current style of play will ever win anything significant. And it's because they are boom or bust. And you saw it in this one. They finally busted. He finally – Sean Clifford finally threw picks, threw yeah, five picks. Sure. Or three picks, sorry. Yeah, wow. Yeah, would have been worse with five. Um, but it, you're boom or bust. You're everything or nothing. And I just don't know how many offenses can consistently win like that. You're right. and But – but, you know, not to take away from no, Minnesota. No, that's not – no, and that's not what I meant to do. Minnesota 
played exactly the game they should have. They have three really good receivers. Yeah. They ran there. They didn't run anything special. They ran slants. Seemed like every single play. They let, gave the ball to their best playmakers and yeah. let them win uh, their game. I mean, it's a well-coached team. It's a well-schemed team. Like I think locking up PJ right before that was borderline genius. Oh. Not, that, not that he won't break it and go somewhere else in two years, but uh, I mean, all, all in all, you, you know what we said with with them early on. If they don't win these eight games, you gotta question PJ, and you gotta like this is your opportunity. We did say that at the beginning of the year. Not only did he do it, mm-hmm. this was the one that's that's like okay, cherry on top. Here we go. Because like they have a very, very, very real shot. Honestly, if they don't make the Big Ten championship now, it's a, probably a pretty disappointment, pretty big disappointment. Well, is it not? Because they're two games up. I think they're two games up on here's what uh, Wisconsin. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. And in fact, we're gonna get to it right now. We're gonna actually jump straight to the that's around cool. the Big Ten. Love it. Because we're going to jump straight to it. Minnesota plays at Iowa this week. Pop, pop, pop. Well, what a trap game. Yeah. Iowa, not not good. R.I.P. Frisky Iowa. Don't, don't mistake us thinking that Iowa's any good. But when you just beat in the biggest program win since, gosh, I can't remember. I don't know when. Okay. And this week, tomorrow, or when you're listening to this, Minnesota's going to be in the probably top 10 in CFP. Yeah, Why can't they damn be? Close. They beat the number four team. Penn State was number four. Beat them. So, and then you're feeling yourself, and at Iowa, listen, Kinnick, you were only as good as the last time you played Iowa. So, a, so a friend said that to me a long time ago, and that is the best barometer for where you're at in the Big Ten. Truly believe it. Yeah. Where did you, what did you do against Iowa the last time you played them? That's where you are in the Big Ten. Because they are a level of consistency. This feels like a trap game for Minnesota. I think the Gophs are definitely capable of winning. Mm -hmm. But they lose this game, and then they have to play Wisconsin. Wisconsin can still make it to the... Wisconsin, Wisconsin can still make it to the Big Ten Championship game yep. beating Minnesota if Minnesota loses to Iowa this week. And that was your Minnesota Minute with Thank John you. Kirby. That had to feel good, though. Take us—I mean, gloat. I'm going to—I'm going to New Orleans. The wife went to Gulf Town. She's flexing on me. Go, 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 go first. So a few other games in the Big Ten, and then we're going to touch on the national before we get into why Michigan stinks. Um, the worst game in college football, maybe this year. UMass at Northwestern. Pass. Incredible stuff. The only number to watch for is the attendance. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, I'm not interested in that game whatsoever. I am actually interested in the attendance. Wisconsin at Nebraska in a game that would have been fun at the beginning of the year. Too red. I'll say it. Too red. Too much red for it. Too you. much red. I'll tell you, though. This that, is peak red. It's the same red. I love Nebraska continuing to lose just for the LOLs. Yeah, it's great. I'm a big fan. At home, too. Um, Indiana at Penn State in the Big Ten game of the week for me. <laughs> It is. Nine, That's not going to be a fun nine, game. Nine win Indiana, very on track. Austin, I'll tell you, Indiana should lose this game, right? But it, can you imagine, this is the most fun game in the Big Ten this week. Oh, certainly. Because Michigan at Michigan State, or Michigan State at Michigan is going to be brutal. Mm, here's all no, I'll say. just brutal. The only game that might be more fun is Ohio State Rutgers. Well, you beat me to it. Because <laughs> that's the game that your boy will be watching yeah. at noon on Saturday. Because I'm telling you right now, folks, 
there's free money on the table. Ohio State is a 51.5-point favorite, and that is not nearly enough, and here's why. They were a 42.5-point favorite against Maryland. What happened last week? Well, Ohio State won by 59. <laughs> okay? Maryland beat Rutgers 48-7. to Folks. I'm not a transitive property guy, but Ohio State is leaps and bounds. I would like to see Ohio State's freshman team play Rutgers. They would win. I think they'd win by two touchdowns. 51.5 is not enough. I'd like to see just the guys that have transferred from Ohio State over the last three years play Rutgers. I wonder truly if Rutgers will have more passes completed than interceptions. It's a fair question. They're horrible. I would actually, cons- like, I wish it was at a different time than Michigan State at Michigan. This is the game we all waited for. It's true. All right, then let's get into it. The biggest one. Before we get into Michigan State at Michigan, why does Michigan stink? Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. We have to do it. We have to do it. Guys, uh, you know, given everything that happened last weekend, we didn't want to put the content call out. We didn't think it was appropriate. But that doesn't mean that John and I don't have opinions on why this program, of all the programs, downright stinks. They stink the most. Uh, I I mean, I have so many thoughts. Uh, you know, first of all, it is worth expanding on the fact that I grew up in southeastern Michigan, about mm-hmm. 40 minutes from Ann Arbor, and really only about an hour from East Lansing. So what should have, you would have thought, been fairly divided territory, not that. Blue wall. Very blue wall. Hashtag blue Very wall. blue wall. Uh, but I had a lot of family that went to Michigan State, so grew up naturally being an MSU guy, and I felt essentially just like persecuted for the first yeah, 18 years of my life before I actually became a Spartan. Mm-hmm. Uh, felt looked down upon, felt like I was, you know, lesser than. And that to me personifies everything that I absolutely despise about the University of Michigan because there is this mentality, this holier-than-thou attitude by every person, with very few exceptions. I will say, there are good people in every crowd. I had a lot of friends that went there. They were good people. But for the most part, most of the people that didn't go to school there, you get treated like you're less than. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is my least favorite thing to be treated as just as a human being. And and it, it it is Michigan personified. There is this... Leaders and the best mentality from a group that has done essentially nothing to back it up. Leading nothing, best of nothing. Right. Since 1997 was 22 years ago now. 2004 they won the conference. That's cool. So high school. Yeah. So you know what happened uh, in 2014? You lost to Rutgers. You lost in football to Rutgers. And you know who was the starting quarterback on that team? Devin Gardner. I want to tell you a little thing about Devin Gardner. Devin Gardner appeared in a little uh, promo video that rolled out on Twitter this week about the Michigan versus Michigan State documentary that's coming out on BTN. I'm grimacing. And he said Uh that uh, Michigan State fans, and as a program, when they're not good, they make excuses. Oh. And I thought, because they didn't show his face when he first, you heard the words. I figured that was a Michigan State player saying that. Of course. And then I saw an old number 98's face pop up. Mm. And I thought, this is galaxy brain Michigan man. Trademark. Trademark. Delusion. And he just personified it so perfectly. It's like, 
He went one and three against Michigan State. Mm. He lost to Rutgers. Mm. Rutgers. Mm. Rutgers. Mm. Rutgers. Mm. In football. Oh. During his career. As the starting quarterback, he went 13 of 22 with 178 yards and a pick. Oh. In Piscataway. Tell me more about your being better than Michigan State. Yeah, no, Devin. tell me more, Devin. I want to know more. It's just, it's this, I equate the University of Michigan, there's a you know, phrase has become popular recently in pop culture, and that's, okay, boomer. <laughs> just say, oh, just sub it in for, okay, Wolvie. It's the same thing. It's people living in the past that have, that have just refused to adapt, and they're making the world a worse place. Wow. I feel uncomfortable even stepping up here. Go ahead, please. You've got some. You've got some something in the chamber. I'm sure. <laughs> you didn't think I had something. In the <laughs> I truly feel bad for Michigan fans because you think that you have to. You pretend to be something that you aren't, and you have to pretend that you are greater than all the time and have no substance. It's like if. Um, your grandparents were millionaires and then you were born and you had a lot of money and then you think that maybe you're successful. You did it. I did it. I did it. I'm the best because I'm rich. <laughs> well, no, grandpa did all the work and you're just kind of here born on third base and then you have the audacity to talk down to people who are trying to work their way up and do well in the world based on their own merit. And you turn around and say, I'm better than you because I'm a leader and I'm the best. But I'm sorry. What did, what did you specifically do? My grandpa won championships in the conference in 1947 is when my... Right. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down, Boomer. Because you're just drafting off of your boomer merits, which is like Austin said, pathetic. Yeah. Pathetic. The worst generation in American history is what you have. That's the best thing you have going for you as a Michigan fan. You get to, the best parts of Michigan football history are related to boomers. Yeah. I I mean, tough stuff. I I couldn't have said it better myself. It's, and not only is it all this entitlement, and it's all that great Whatever. stuff. Like, listen, if you hear that from an Alabama fan, you're like, okay, you've earned it. But the level of delusion that the Michigan man trademark has makes – we've talked about Nebraska in this series. Mm. We've talked about, uh, I don't know, other great schools, Ohio State's programs that have expectations. Uh, Indiana, we talked about their basketball team expectations. The, keep Ohio State out of this. Really, Indiana and Nebraska – Two of the more delusional fan bases in all of collegiate sports. Michigan looks down, like they have the superiority complex on the amount of delusion that they have. Like, no, we're the most delusional. Like, it, it's it's really unbelievable. Like, I have been told to my face, unironically, that uh, Stephen Threat was going to be the reason that they broke through. Mm. Tate Forcier, Devin Gardner. Devin Gardner, most recently, by the way, appeared as a wide receiver in a commercial. Oh, God. Sorry. But... I, I've been told unironically all of these things to my face as to why this stuff will work. You know what's a really shitty thing to do? Just period in life. A shitty thing to do is 
it's a it's not okay when you're the best to talk down to people, but at least you're the best. To talk down to people when you are at best middle of the road, calm the hell down. Yes. Just just chill out. It's so it it's they're the kings, the emperors of the lack of self-awareness. So that all kills me. And then we talk about the fact they all love to chirp about Tom Brady. You wanted Tom Brady out of town. You know who you loved was Drew Henson. Drew Henson. Yankees. Yankee third baseman. Great player. Tremendous player. It just kills me. Like the the you celebrate the Fab Five when they are the most notorious cheaters and <laughs> chokers in collegiate basketball Both. history. Both. Both. If anything, I'll give you that. You're the best at being the two worst things. You are the leaders and best at not winning and having the best players to not win. And cheating the most and to get those players. Congrats. Congratulations, you guys. Did it. Way to go. Look, I, hey, you know what? Congratulations. You know what you did? You're you have currently the better program than another downtrodden program. And guess what? You also you solidified third place again. Really proud of you Congrats, guys. Congrats, guys. You, you locked did that it third again. Place it's in. important to you, and I know you needed it. It's important to you as a person. You are the leaders at third best. And guess what? We once again have a Michigan player coming out and using the little brother, uh, little sister line. Of course. Because why wouldn't you? What because it's worked for you every time. It's just, it's the ego of it, and I just can't believe it. And I just, here's something to ask yourselves. What are you going to do, like, as a program moving forward? Is Jim Harbaugh the guy? No. Then who is? You went with a nuclear option. What do you do now? Who do you hire? If you run Jim Harbaugh out of town, this doofus who wears this stupid-ass hat and his glasses and khakis and does all these gimmicks and does all this great recruiting but also just runs half of every recruiting class out of town, still can't find a quarterback. Like, what do you do now? You're lost. You're hopeless. It's always the next thing. And guess what? Guys, it's never happening again. And then on the basketball floor, you managed to hire the guy, the only person in America who doesn't know you can't say recruits' names in press conferences. You hired an idiot. He's been an idiot so far. He's been an idiot. And guess what? The guy who you hired to be his X's and O's. Oh, God. His Rex Tillerson is... uh, Not great, Bob. St. Joe's old coach. Yep. Bad. He's only like 65. At best, he's like 80. I'm just saying, like, you had something great. Okay, we're going to do the say the one nice thing. Yep. John Beeline was a great coach. Love him. Tremendous coach. Unfortunately, outside of Tim Miles, my favorite Big Ten coach. John Beeline was unequivocally a phenomenal coach. I, I give him all the credit in the world. He turned bad teams into great College basketball you know teams. Wild? I want him to do well in the NBA. So do I. That's wild. That's yeah. how cool he was. I like him more because he left. That's why <laughs> well, I like him. I like him more. Also, actually. you know what? Shout out above everybody else to Dan Gilbert. Mm. Because hiring John Beeline. The two for one? Oh, it was his chef's kiss. The, two for one. The ultimate troll. Two you for got one a him. great coach mm-hmm. and you stole him from Michigan. He makes Michigan State better. And he makes Michigan State better. Oh, Dan. Yeah, it, it was beautiful. I'm not worried. Uh, I hate Michigan. Oh, I truly, from the bottom of my heart, hate the university. 
Hey, you know what though? We have friends that went there. Tons of them. I actually had a blast in Ann Arbor when in college. I went there all the time. Same. I went. Now nah, I shouldn't say all the time. A couple weekends During a year. Games. Yeah. Yeah, man. Hey, that's no knock on your, your buddies. Like we have buddies that went. They there had a too. good Ricks. But of course we're gonna rib on them, and I yeah. hope they rib back because that's the whole point. That's of this literally whole the point thing. of this whole thing. But Don't. you guys suck. We're better. Moving on. Kind of. <laughs> okay. So the projection here until the game. <laughs> Yeah, well, relax. My pre- the model um, took a hit last week, folks. Uh, model was riding high until the fourth quarter. I had a, th- I think I had a thirty to fifteen prediction MSU over Illinois. It was looking real good for a minute there. I was texting you and I was like, I broke the system, Austin. I've done it. <laughs> and then I am Vegas. And then and then um, we John L. Smithed all over ourselves. That said, if you care or have any interest uh the model project the Kirby model projects a 23 to 14 win for michigan which feels just on eye test 23 14 that sounds about right yeah right like mm-hmm. that's on par yeah with where it might be at that said um game at michigan at big nude saturday at 11 a.m um let's get it over with early yeah, I mean it's better to, to 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 just get it out of the way. I will say, you want you came here for reasons that MSU could win. You yeah. want to do that? Yeah, I mean, well, let's start with the fact that it's a rivalry game. I think that's honestly as good a place as any to begin. Uh, I sort of think no matter what, you just kind of throw the record books out the window in this one. Um, well, you have to because otherwise it gets ugly. And the other thing to consider is that um, while Michigan State's offense is dumpster fire, um, the defense, even though what happened to Illinois, is, an at, is at an advantage against Michigan. Mm-hmm. Michigan's offense is nothing to write home about. Currently, uh, MSU's total defense is 24th in the nation to Michigan's 78th. If there is ever... Ever, ever, ever a time for Michigan State to have a defensive touchdown. Yeah, or just turnovers. Well, no, it must happen here because the offense at Michigan State simply will not get it done against the very good top 10 Michigan defense. They're that good. Again. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Because, again, spade to spade. Until they play Ohio State, they are good. Mm-hmm. That's the way it is. Fifth in passing defense, 21st in rushing defense, 7th in total defense, 11th in scoring defense. Yeah, I mean, defensively, they kind of have a lot of different guys getting done. I mean, Josh Uche has 7.5 sacks this year. He's really come on. Quiddy Pay, uh, 5.5. Guy who I like, who, by the way, not even a hot take. We can go back to why Michigan sucks, or why Michigan sucks. Big one here, Jabril Peppers wasn't that good. Uh, and in yeah. fact, Michigan's Kalike Hudson is better than Jabril Peppers was. It's true. We all, I can... If you're a Michigan fan and don't think that, man. Yeah, him going to the Heisman ceremony is one of the biggest jokes in collegiate football. We're giving you credit by saying Kaliki Hudson is really, really good. He's better. He's better. And he's better than an overrated Jabril Peppers. Yeah, I mean, but they've got, you know, Josh Metellus, Brad Hawkins, great players. Aiden Hutchinson's had a really nice year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ambry Thomas, who's the idiot who invoked. I sh- I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have used the term idiot. He's the uh, but like, why? young young man that that invoked the term little brother. And here, No, little sister. And here's why. It's it's a super big bummer to use, like, I, listen, MSU fans do it too. Can we just all stop? 
yeah. with the little sibling, especially when it relates to like we're done. I think the era is over. Like well, the little brother era. Is well, over, yeah. If right? the D'Antonio, if we deemed it over, yeah. then this needs to be over. I think it's done. I think I think we're done. Like I think as soon as Michigan State gets a new head coach, this this era is done. But oh. again, I, uh, even if it's not. Why would you invoke that? I don't get it's it. It's backfired. This is the Michigan thing, though. Oh, God, of course. Where they come out and they... Spike talk, in the yep, field. Just like, talk, a, talk a gang of shit, and then it fire, backfires on them. And it, listen, don't get that mixed up. Michigan's a better team going into this game. There's no question. God, yeah. No question. But to, why even risk it? Why why risk the... Because... The because they are... Because they can't help themselves. They can't help themselves. So I, I think Michigan, from an offense perspective, like you said, they're absolutely nothing to write home about. I mean, Shea Patterson, decent quarterback, about 57% completion percentage, 12 touchdowns, four picks. I mean, if nothing else, I guess he doesn't turn the ball over that often. Um, offensively, well, although he, he has, has fumbled, fumbled the ball quite a lot. bit, yeah. but he doesn't throw picks, I guess. Uh, offensively, between Zach Charbonnet and Hassan Haskins, they found a really nice rushing uh, one-two. Charbonnet has 11 touchdowns. Um, but I I struggle to look too deeply into these numbers because they do this every year. Yeah, well, you know, we don't like QBR, but for what it's worth, Brian Lewerke is somehow better than Shea Patterson. You know, it's something to consider is that they keep trying, Michigan keeps trying to shove a square peg into a round hole yep. with Shea Patterson. It's he's just not what you want him to be. No, he and, never. It was never going no, to be. No, but they want him to be because two reasons: five star, Jim Harbaugh, cute quarterback whisperer, hmm? and they are so arrogant that they can't move away. And I'm not saying bench him. That's what I'm saying is just play to his strengths. Stop trying to well, make him. I mean, I think you're you're seeing the, uh, the Josh Gaddis, you know, lack of experience coming through here. Yeah. But I mean, receiving wise, they don't do. They have they, the thing is, they have a lot of receiving talent. Nico Collins is an NFL player. Nico, I think Nico Collins, Tariq Black, and DPJ are all NFL players. They're all NFL specimens. I'm not, with but it you. doesn't matter. I mean, the, of those three, the most amount of catches this year is 22. They played nine games, so that's yeah. two plus two and change catches a game. It's not good. I'm not intimidated, but. Bottom line is if the defense, if Michigan State's defense doesn't force the issue and create turnovers and take advantage of opportunities, they're not going to win this game. The offense just is not good enough. It's not good enough. And, you know, the really damning part is we watched Illinois carve up a Michigan State's defense in the second half. So Mm -hmm. it just leaves a lot to be desired. If there's any takeaway for you as a fan is that it is so, so damn funny if Michigan State makes this a game because they are not as good as Michigan. No, and they're it, not. And it is just hysterical. If MSU were to find a way, the, the sad part, this is this is a really nice way to tie it back to the, to, the, to the part about the program earlier. This used to be the standard for success for Michigan State. Mm-hmm. If you can beat Michigan, the year is a win no matter what. Yeah, but I'm going to stop you right there because the only way this season is – for Michigan State is, is a success is if they beat Rutgers. <laughs> we got to continue the streak. Got to continue the streak because no you know football what? losses, no basketball losses. At the end of the day, that is something Michigan State, for the foreseeable future, will always. That's all that matters. Will Folks. always have on the University of Michigan because never forget ever they lost to Rutgers.
Couldn't be me. Nope, could not. All right. I think that's everything we got this week, right, John? Let's do it. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. I, I know we came off a, a tough weekend, but hopefully we brought a bit of, a bit of uh, energy and life to your week and you're able to, uh, you know, enjoy this we'll see you on thursday for the seton hall game yeah we'll we'll be on twitter you know where to find us um as always uh thank you guys for sticking with us for john this has been austin and we will catch you guys next week see you today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and fifty thousand more added every day cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you your budget your life your style and if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.